We're going to be talking together as a family about the essence of the Sabbath today. And we've just experienced some of the essence of the Sabbath. Amen. Oh, how he loves each one of us here today. He just wants our hearts. That's the essence of the Sabbath. And as God began to help me as a man and as a father to recognize he just wants my heart. He wants my whole heart. And as I began to recognize that part of the essence of the Sabbath is letting my children know that God just wants their whole heart. And you know, we have spent Sabbath after Sabbath in our family looking for ways to make Christianity come alive. Because everything around us makes Christianity die. Everything, even sometimes church services, can become a ritual. Sabbath school lesson can become a ritual. These were never intended to be this way. Giving our offering can become a ritual. And Sabbath can become a form like it was for the Jewish nation. And we look back and we say, how could they have crucified our Savior? How could they, friends? Do we crucify him afresh? Do we walk away from the Sabbath day and go back into the week? No different people than we started the week before. You see, Sabbath, the essence of the Sabbath, it's a time to rest from the week behind and to refocus for the week ahead to gain new strength in a larger measure on the Sabbath day, to come forth into a new week prepared to live for Christ in the power of Jesus Christ. So today we want to talk about how the essence of the Sabbath has become real to us in our family. You know, this morning, as I was contemplating this, a thought came to my mind, and it was, it was actually quite an emotional thought. And it really hit me right in my heart. <laughs> and I wondered if I should share it with you this morning. Um, so I'm going to share it with you this morning. It's not here in my notes. But, <clears throat> you know, as parents, we have given ourselves, at least in the part of our lives that we've come to understand the essence of the Sabbath, we've given ourselves to make the Sabbath come alive for our family. And I praise God that it has. We love God and we love the Sabbath. And I praise God that Today, our young people have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And the thought that came to me this morning was, this is the last family Sabbath school we'll probably ever have. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) But this guy is going off to school and... uh, It's quite possible that his life will take a different direction. At least at Washington camp meeting, it's probably the last time, at least for a long time. But you know, my son leaves with the essence of the Sabbath in his heart. And I just have a deep yearning in my soul that our young people here can experience the essence of the Sabbath. That Christ can come alive for our young people and it will never come alive for them if it doesn't come alive for us as parents. We've got to get away from the traditional. Traditions are okay as long as those traditions are powered by Jesus Christ. Christ did the same thing every day. Daniel did the same thing three times a day, but they were not rituals. Every time Daniel got on his knees, he was empowered by the God of heaven to live the life of Jesus Christ. I want that 
essence to be a part of every family here. When I see these young people stand up in front of us and sing these songs and play those instruments, it just breaks my heart. Partly because I see the willingness of these young people to give themselves to God. But partly it breaks my heart because some of these young people come to me and they say, I never experienced anything like this in my home after I leave here. I never experienced the the joy of playing together with my parents after I leave here. It only happens here at camp meeting. Brothers and sisters, let's take the essence of the Sabbath, the essence of Jesus Christ, and let's make it a living part of our homes when we leave this camp meeting. What an opportunity that we have been given as people, as God's children, to have one day a week that we can set aside all of the regularness of everyday life and be able to gain a double blessing. I hope that you don't wait for Sabbath to work in the hearts of your young people. I hope you don't wait until Sabbath to seek the Lord personally. If we want to spend an eternity with him, it's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment seeking after him. And then the Sabbath at the end is the culmination of an experience we've been having during the week. And we receive a greater blessing, a double portion of what we've been tasting and partaking of during the week. And it helps us to go into the new week to face the new challenges, the new distractions, the new conflicts perhaps, with a focus that we want to honor our Lord. Amen. Sabbath in our home has become a very special time, a very sacred time. Have we always done it right? No. Even yet, we know in our home, if we do not have plans and directions, somehow it's so easy for humanity to come in and conversations to go astray. So it takes time, it takes planning, and it takes a a conscious awareness. But that's simply training our minds the way that Jesus is calling us to, to bring every thought into his captivity. That the thoughts that we think, whether it's on the Sabbath or any day of the week, can be honorable before him. In our home, we have recognized the importance of helping to establish the sacredness of the day. Not just on Saturday morning on our way to church, but more importantly, when Sabbath begins, even before it begins, that our hearts are ready, that our home is ready, and that we are ready to come together. And for us in our home, Sabbath begins Friday evening, and that is family time. You know, during the week, the family is somewhat fragmented, isn't it? Father's off to work, the children may be off to school, or they may be in their homeschool lessons, mother's busy doing this, and the children at the various ages have different responsibilities, and we oftentimes don't have the kind of time we like to spend together in spite of our greatest efforts. But on Friday evening, we can set all those things behind us, and we can come together as a family to have that special bonding family time. And that's what it's become in our home. Not a time when the work is done for the week and everybody goes off to do their own thing. But rather it's a time that we come together in our home for family together time. Something that has it's become such a beautiful tradition in our family um, it doesn't, you know, a lot of families bring in the Sabbath when the sun goes down. But in Montana, the sun doesn't go down very early in the summer. And our family is so hooked on this family evening time on Friday night. It's the family night. That it doesn't matter if the sun's going down at 9.30 or 4.30 in the afternoon. Our family lays the cares and stresses of the world behind and comes together 
to be just us together with God and, and prepare our hearts and just enjoy one another. Mm-hmm. And that has been one of the greatest blessings of my growing up years. I always look forward to Friday evening because I knew no matter what time that sun went down, our family was going to be found together in the living room having heart-to-heart conversations and just being together. Amen. So we slow down. We let the pressures of the week go by. And in our family, we love music. And I think it's the same for you all here because the music here has been very inspiring and Amen. very rich. Amen. And I had the privilege of being able to video this last song and much of the song service that happened here this morning. And I'm thankful for those zooming lenses because I can see the expressions on the faces. I can't see when I'm sitting out there where you're sitting. And it is such... You just see it in the faces. There's a radiance from within that is bubbling out by singing praises to our Lord, our Savior, and our King. And that's what we enjoy on Friday evening. Music is very much a part of our Friday evening worship time, our family together time. Uh, Sometimes that's other than the worships in the week, which are... Just a little morning time and a little evening time. The only other time we have to sing together or for the young people to play their instruments is on Friday evening. And we find that it really draws our hearts together. We find the blessing in singing together, in playing music together, and in contemplation of the words that are being spoken. Prayer is a part of our Friday evening preparing our hearts as we do individually when we come, but praying together as a family for the blessing that God has for us on the Sabbath day. Prayer is very much a part of our home. It's very much a part of our lives. It was cute this morning. We were going to drive from our cabin to the cabin where we're eating breakfast because there was a lot of rain and we we needed to get all of us there and we had a bunch of water bottles to fill. Before we left, just to drive across the parking lot or across the little campus. We had prayer in the car because it's so much a part of our nature to ask God to protect us and be with us wherever we go. And that really touched my heart this morning. I mean, we're only going, you know, a couple hundred yards or whatever. Not real good with distances, but not that far anyway. But prayer is very important. And it's become a part of our lives, not as a ritual Not as a habitual thing we do, but a meaningful part of our daily lives. Friday evening gives us the opportunity to bind our hearts together as a family in prayer. For us in our home on Friday evening, it is story time. We have read numerous books through the years, character-building stories, that often come back to one of us as we've gone through life in situations where we find ourselves being challenged and we can remember a story about someone who had gone through something similar and how they found the Lord to be their strength, to be their confidence, and their companion in spite of the trials they were in. Those stories have been tremendous blessing. It has been more difficult as we've... um, have the varying ages here in the family. We have a book we've been working on a long time as our family reading book. And it's still tucked in the arm of my husband's chair. And if mother and father or or part of the family is gone over a weekend, that book stays there because nobody goes forward until the whole family's together. So this book is one of the longest lasting books we've had. (laughs) Just inject something here. Sure. Um, You know, over the years... Story reading is not just for story reading. That's right. There are thousands of stories that could be read. But it takes time to find stories that have the essence of the Sabbath. Amen. The essence of coming alive in Christ. Stories that reveal what people go through who are seeking the Lord. And so we decided a few years ago to start making a list because one of the challenges that we faced as our children grew up, was where do you find good stories? (laughs) It's like, where do you find good music? And so 
we've got a list now that we've compiled. If anybody's interested or if you're at a loss to know where to get good stories or what kinds of stories, good character building stories, it's, it's on our website and it's a good resource. One of the things that has been kind of a, I'll call it a tradition, but a, a special bonding of family. It's one of those traditions that bind our hearts together. It's not taken for granted. Since our children have been quite young, Friday evening was their night to treat mom and dad to rubs. You know, a nice massage of our feet, or our head, or our hands, or sometimes even maybe a whole body massage. Mother lays out on the couch, and father's reading the story, and oh, it just feels so good. That's how mother misses a lot of the stories. <laughs> yeah, this is true. <laughs> she, she will often say, I'll say, honey, are you awake? In the same tone that I'm reading the story. And she'll be out and wake her up and say, Honey, are you sleeping? No, I'm not sleeping. <laughs> so what was the last thing you remembered in the story? It's back about three pages ago. <laughs> Even with that, it's, <laughs> it's still a wonderful evening together. <laughs> well, she just gets the best part of the book because we just give her all the tidbits along the way. They recap the important points for me. So if you really want to know the, the, the details of any book we've read, do not ask me. <laughs> but those rubs have been so, so much of a part of our family and binding our hearts together. And even at our young people's ages, 22 to 17, nearly 18, that, that range of ages, our young people still find the delight in doing something special for mother and father. We still get those rubs on occasion. We missed it when we were gone a month in January overseas, and our young people were home, and Tom and I were alone on an overseas trip together. And Friday evening came, and, oh, our hearts longed to be home, not just for the rubs, but for the time together. That's where we missed our young people the most, was on Sabbath, because it's been so much a part of our lives. They weren't just missing us. We were missing them, too. We were looking forward to them getting back, and we felt the, the deprivation of them being gone the most Friday nights, I would say, because that's just been so much a part of our life. That it's like it was a big chunk missing in our life. We look forward to when they got back. <clears throat> now we're going to move on to Sabbath morning. What normally happens on a Sabbath morning? It's time to worship the Lord, right? Amen. And that's something that our family has enjoyed doing together. There's something about being together as a family to worship the Lord. It's that's set aside different from our own personal quiet time that's even different than our just our family worship in the morning. And I think a lot of us get caught up in, you know, well, it's Sabbath morning, we go to Sabbath school and we go to church and then we have fellowship lunch and we go home. And it just becomes almost habitual, almost like a ritual. But for us, Worshiping the Lord is a reality. When we come into his holy tabernacle, God is there. Amen. His presence is with us, and we are really worshiping him. Are we singing as though he is really there? Are we singing praises to him? Or are we just singing the words of the song because that's what we do. We stand up and we sing our opening hymn. Or are we singing it because we are singing in the presence of God, worshiping him and bringing him honor and glory? When we prepare our hearts to enter into the sanctuary to worship the Lord, that is when we find the greatest blessing because we can feel the power of his life working in us because he wants to not only be among us but dwell in our hearts. So as we go into the sanctuary, it should be a very solemn time, a time of, of joy, but also of realizing that we are, the reality of it is, is we are before a living God. What a privilege. I mean, can you imagine what a specialness the Sabbath day is? This is the day that God created for us to come close to him. And we can have that experience all throughout the week, but Sabbath is the highest day of the week. It is the day that God comes very close to his people. And if we just go through the motions, he is not invited into our hearts because we're keeping him at arm's length by our own mental attitude. But when we come before him 
opening our hearts, we will find what it is to have the Lord with us, in us, and we will find that our hearts are springing forth with joy and delighting to worship him. And the prayers that we pray, those are going before his throne. Jesus is interceding for us now, and the prayers that we offer are being taken before God. He is a prayer-hearing, prayer-answering God. And one thing that I've really appreciated about our church family is we have a time of thanksgiving and prayer requests every Sabbath, and it can take a half an hour to go through those things. And church can get out a half hour late. And you know, I am so thankful. It doesn't bother me a bit. Our church family is not clock watchers. We come to worship the Lord and to come together as a church family and pray for one another and pray for the needs. And we have seen God answering those prayers. What a privilege. We have such a personal God. And he wants to be a part of our worship service. Not only are we worshiping him, but we are worshiping together with him for his honor and glory. Exodus 20 verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The essence of the Sabbath is keeping the day holy. And for many of us, I feel that we have lost the sacredness that the Sabbath hours really bring to us. And that is because we're not realizing the reality of the holy God that we serve. That's why we can't just say, we're going to change our lives on Sabbath. It can't be a one-day-a-week religion. It has to be all through the week. Because as we really spend time every day contemplating God in His Word and asking Him to change us from the inside, as we do that all through the week, then when we come to the Sabbath, we have a new picture of God. We see the Almighty God that we serve. We see His righteousness in comparison to our filthy rags. We see His purity. We see His holiness. And it will make us desire to worship Him from our hearts. And then we can truly keep the Sabbath day holy. In 1 Peter 1, verse 16, we are told, Be ye holy, for I am holy. What a high calling. God wants us to come up to his level. And in order to find true joy on the Sabbath day, we need to recognize what a God we serve. His holiness, his righteousness, his character. And as we behold him throughout the week, then when we come to the Sabbath, it will be a very special time and we will find the real essence that is there in becoming holy as Christ is holy. I just wanted to share one other thing on that. Um, Christ, or God, they made the Sabbath special for us as a gift. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And I would just like to ask each one of you, are we treating that like a gift? Or are we taking it for granted? Because for some of us, there may not always be another Sabbath. If you knew that this was your last Sabbath, your last special gift from God... What would your attitude be like in your worship to him, knowing that he is a holy God? Amen. When you find the joy and the blessing of the Sabbath for yourself, can you shut it up, keep it in your heart, and go home and not share it with anyone else? It will naturally flow out. As God reaches into your heart, that will be the first step to outreach. So we found that the Sabbath day is an excellent opportunity, not only to have that special in-reaching of the Lord into our own hearts, but to then outreach to other people. If we don't work on reaching out to others, we will wither up. So Jesus always used the Sabbath as an opportunity to reach out to the needs of others. And, you know, maybe it's reaching out to relatives. You know, our grandparents live there. Often Sabbath afternoons after church, we'll have them over for a meal, or we'll go to their home, we'll sing them songs. We can reach to our, out to our relatives others within our church and out to the community. I remember just about three weeks ago, um, my family was gone and I was going to be going to church and I enjoyed that, but I thought, you know, the Lord had put it on my heart to reach out to a few people that I had worked with previously when I was doing in-home care for people that couldn't take care of themselves anymore. And I thought, you know, I really need to go see them and take a little bit of time for them. And it, it wasn't something like I have to do. I desired to, and I knew that desire came from the Lord. So I picked up some daffodils out of the garden and some tulips, and I made some bouquets. And after church, I was going to go on my little trip around town, finding my little friends and reaching out to them. And when I knocked on the one door of the elderly man I took care of, 
my heart kind of sank when he didn't answer. And a lady came to the door who I'd never seen before. And I said, well, is Lloyd here? And she said, who's he? Oh, no. And I said, well, um, I used to help with his care. You know, I, she says, well, I just moved in yesterday. And here I am. I'm kind of awkward. I have this bouquet of flowers for him, and I have no idea where he is now. And I had a feeling, you know, deep within my heart that he wasn't here anymore. And so anyway, I said, well, you know, um, I have a bouquet of flowers for him because he was kind of a shut-in, and I wanted to come bring a little splash of joy and sunshine into his home. And I said, would you like these flowers? And you, you could just see a smile break over her face, and she said, are you sure I can have these? Do you, do you really mean? And you could tell, you could see the longing in her eyes. And she said, you know, I'm not a shut-in, but I don't really have any friends here. I've just come to the area. And she was an older lady. And she said, could you come and visit me sometime if you got a chance? Amen. You never know what opportunities. We need to follow what God puts in our heart. But there was also another lady that I wanted to see. Well, in the meantime, because this was an apartment little complex for elderly people to live in, and I had gotten acquainted previously with another elderly lady, and I thought I should take a little bit of time just to visit with her, because nobody seems to care about all of our grandparents. I mean, they're somebody's grandparents, aren't they? Amen. They served our country. They reached out to us, and now that they're older and they can't do much anymore, it's like they're just pushed off to the side as useless. Are they anymore? They still have a heart. They could even be young at heart. I mean, I remember one lady, she says, I look in the mirror and I can't believe how old I look because, I mean, I feel so young inside. You know, my heart's just the same, but now because I have an older exterior, it's like everybody views me differently, but I still have the same heart. So we need to take time to reach out to these people. So anyway, I just sat down and, you know, I thought, oh, I've got to be back home at such and such a time, you know, for my meal for my, with my grandparents. And I felt that pressure, but I just, no, I'm going to let that go. And I sat there and I just visited with them and they told me about the death of my friend Lloyd. And I knew that's why then he hadn't been responding to the cards that I had sent him. And the other times when I tried to go see him, you know, there was no answer to the door, but I thought, oh, he's out in town. And so little did I know that he had been gone all this time, but I knew I was there for a reason. And so, because I knew the Lord had put it in my heart. Anyway, so I visited with these other ladies for a little while. And I thought, well, now I have no time to go see the other person that I was planning on seeing. There's just no way I need to be back home. Well, just before I left, the lady said, oh, I saw a moving truck by Debbie's house. I said, what Debbie are you talking about? That's the lady I was going to go see. And she said, oh, I don't remember her last name, but she lives, you know, in F, the F complex or something. And I said, Oh, really? Well, I'm sorry, but it's been really nice talking to you. I really need to go now. And I quickly went over to the house, and I thought, Wow, God, your timing is incredible. What if I had pushed past that thought, and I miss Lloyd and Debbie? Debbie is a lady that I opened a post office door for her one time. You never know what little things are going to make a big impact in somebody's life. It seems like such a small thing. And I had opened a post office door for another lady, and she kind of gave me the look of... What'd you do that for? And I was really tempted not to open the door for this other lady. I thought, I've got my own stuff to do. If that's the way they're going to be about it, you know, if we can't even serve our own people anymore, then I'm just going to get on with my own life if nobody even wants it. Well, I had this thought, Allison, wait, hold the door. And the lady came through, and I saw the look on her face. And, I said, let me, and she said, thank you so much. I said, let me get the next door for you. Can I help you out to your car? She had a little package, you know. I said, it looks like you're, you're suffering with a lot of pain. That puts it pretty mildly, she said. I said, well, what, you know, what's going on? And here I'm on duty for somebody else, but I, I knew that this was an opportunity I needed to take. And to make a very long story short, this lady was on the verge of committing suicide. The lady I had opened the door for before was the last person she thought of as a friend who had refused to talk to her in the post office. And she said, when I saw you open the door for her, I thought, she won't open it for me. Nobody cares about me anymore. What if I had pushed past that thought? What if she had committed suicide that night? I was able to talk to her, to share God's love with her, to tell her I did care about her. I would be back to visit her. I would pray for her. I would call her that night and see how she was doing, and I would stay right with her until she got help from medical sources. And I did. And to this day, she has never forgotten. Two years later, I have done little things off and on as I get time to reach out to her. And I had no idea because it had been a time span between seeing her that she was leaving. And you know, when I first stood in the doorway and she was packing up her boxes, she got this shock look on her face like, where did you come from? 
And I said, well, I came to see you. I was thinking about, I've been thinking about you a lot, and I just wanted to let you know I really care about you, and I love you, and I, I heard you were leaving, and so I'm so thankful I came today. She says, yes, I'll be pulling out tomorrow. I said, oh, I'm just thanking God for putting that thought in my heart Sabbath morning to grab those bouquets of flowers and go minister to somebody else. And it just did the most for my heart, I think. But, you know, that was one more opportunity to show that lady that I really did care about her. And I'm planning on keeping in contact with her because before she left, I got her address. What if I hadn't been there? What if I hadn't listened to that thought? So Sabbath is not an opportunity just for ourselves to grow in the Lord, but also to reach out to other people and to be sensitive to his voice because God wants us to be able to be impressible with his thoughts to know what to do to help somebody else, to make that Sabbath day special for them as well. I just wanted to go back to one point that she mentioned there in outreach. She said briefly, you know, reaching out to the people right within our own churches. But I want to go back to that because I think this is one of the things that we, as a group of people, are really lacking. And we go to church every Sabbath, and we see the same people there. And I think oftentimes we overlook that those people have just as many struggles as others. And we can go and have, put a smile on our face and sit in church and say, Happy Sabbath. But I think we really need to be sensitive to the Lord if there's anyone right within our own church that may need a word of encouragement. I know that that can oftentimes be the case. And we shouldn't just be comfortable saying, well, they're just like I am and we're just all here together. We need to be encouraging each other because we are humans, aren't we? And then on the flip side of the coin, if you are, let's say, someone who's in church that morning and you're feeling extremely discouraged or you're feeling like no one's caring for you, Instead of allowing those thoughts to control you, and if no one's reaching out to you, instead of saying, nobody does care about me, no one even said happy Sabbath to me today, why don't you look for someone that you can reach out to? And you will find a blessing in that. So it really works both ways. We should be looking for others to bless, even if we're doing great, and if we're on the other side of the coin and we're feeling like no one's reaching out to us, let's not fall into self-pity because of that. Let us look for someone that we can reach out to, and we will find the biggest blessing in that. Well, isn't this exciting? I mean, just think about the essence of Sabbath and what God has in store for each of us. Because going into the Sabbath, we may have no idea who God is going to have us help reach out to and who God will have us to make a difference. Maybe he's going to make a difference in our lives because of somebody else. So outreach is certainly one of the great essences of Sabbath. Another thing that our family has found is in-reach, taking, using Sabbath as a time where we can get to know each other better. One-on-one, I have one special experience I'd like to share with you. And I'd like to say that in-reach is kind of like heart work, one and the same. In-reach, God doing the hard work and us cooperating with him. Um, this one particular Sabbath, Father said um, that he had, a, had this thought that it would be a good day to do a father-son outing. And, you know, I thought it sounded like a good idea. But I thought, you know, that's interesting that he thought of that. So anyway, right after breakfast, we started out, and we decided that we were going to take the whole day with one another till lunch and really talk to each other, because this was actually recently, and as you've heard I'm going to be going away this fall. And so I was really looking forward to it. So we ate breakfast and got out there and we decided we were going to walk down the road and kind of go up and part way up the side of the mountain and have some time together. And so we walked down and as we started up the mountain I said, well Father, why don't we go all the way to the top? Because it just looks so inviting. Now I said this was earlier, but it was this year. And so there was still some snow up above, which Father probably thought about, and I wasn't really thinking along those lines. And so anyway, we were having a great time talking to one another, because our focus this day was in-reach, heart work. And he was sharing with me things that he's learned and asking me questions, and we were having a great time together. And it was great because it wasn't like he started beating around the bush. Well, I don't think, I mean, there's probably snow up there, and you know, by the time we get to the top, and he didn't do any of that. And he said, okay. Well, we can give it a try, because, you know, he probably thought, well, we'll get into the snow, and then Josiah will see for himself. So, anyway, we started up, and as we continued on up, we kept coming across logging roads, and oftentimes we would stop and just talk to one another, because sometimes when you're talking, walking single file, it's a little bit hard to communicate, especially when you need a little bit more oxygen in the bloodstream. And so, anyway, 
we would take stops here and there, and I found myself becoming more and more encouraged. The higher we got on the mountain, it seemed, the higher my encouragement levels became, spiritually. And we got up to the top, thankfully. There was some snow up there, but it was frozen over so we could walk on top of it. Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. Well, that's another part of the story coming up. And we were up there and looking around. The view it was our first time on the top of this particular mountain, the mountain that we live on. We haven't been up there in 18 years. And <laughs> that, that part of the that top. That part of the top, at least. So anyway, we had a great time together. And what I want to really draw out of this is you don't have to go to the top of the mountain or you don't have to do anything just special than any other day, although it's, it's wonderful to do that. The important part is making it deep and meaningful for our spiritual experience. Because that, that, a mountaintop experience can be spiritually too, not necessarily that we have to be on the top. Amen. So anyway, I said, I well, sure, go ahead. <laughs> you know, you, you heard what he said at the beginning. It was Sabbath morning. This was not a plan. Part of the essence of the Sabbath is, Lord, what would you have me to do? Unless anybody in here, you know, should misunderstand that you mean you and your son didn't go to church that day? No. We went to the church in the mountains that day. And I know this can be hard to understand, but we're talking about the essence of the Sabbath here. Okay? We're talking about the heart work that God wants to do in us. And that morning, the heart work God was doing with me had to do also with my son's heart. And he said, you need to take your son and go to a quiet place with him alone. So, does it bother me if somebody at church gets the wrong idea? Not at all. Did it used to bother me? He used to feel guilty. Now, don't get the idea that we do this every Sabbath. But the point is, the essence of the Sabbath is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is the essence of the Sabbath. And the Lord put it on my heart that I needed to work with my own son's heart. That the days and the weeks would soon pass that I would not have the intimate day-by-day communication with my son. And I tell you, it was a beautiful experience. I know church was good. The rest of my family went to church. But they didn't have the experience we had because it was the experience God had for my son and I that day. That was the essence of the Sabbath. And as I said, that mountaintop experience is very important to have not just out in nature but in our own hearts. And so we had a great time up on top. Actually, we wore our tennis shoes because we weren't planning on going to the top. And so we'd been going, every once in a while, you know, you'd fall through the snow. And I said, how about we go down a different way so we can see some different nature, you know, on the way down. And, and I was like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> and uh, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone the way I went if I would have known any differently. But um, anyway, we decided to go down a different way. And we're walking along. And it seemed like every four or five steps, and the snow was pretty deep, but what happened is there was airspace underneath because... There was just logs everywhere, just hundreds of trees falling down on top of each other. So sometimes you'd be walking along on what appeared to be the ground covered with maybe two feet of snow, and you were four feet off the ground with two feet of open air underneath you. And you'd be walking along, and all of a sudden you'd just crash through. And partway down, well, partway down, it's kind of putting it mildly, all along the way we were falling. And partway down, Father went right between two trees that were scissored together, and dislocated his knee. Now, instead of telling me, Josiah, if we had just gone down the way we came up, I wouldn't have had this happen to me. And now look, we're, we're still, you know, a long ways from the bottom, and look at me. Instead, he chose to take it as a challenge, and that was a real encouragement to me, because he could have been blaming me for the situation that he was in. And I think the climb down was just about as much of an encouragement as the mountaintop experience. Because we had a great time together, falling down, and, and this <laughs> sounds kind of funny. This, this one particular time, uh, I was going down, and I heard Father right behind me, and I'd just gone under this great big tree. We were going down a drainage because we could go under a lot of the logs, and um, he went to swing under this big tree. You don't mind if I share this, right? <laughs> Never forget my story, right? 
So <clears throat> he went to go under this tree, and he grabbed onto it. It's the same one that I grabbed onto. And we went, and I went under it okay for some reason, slipping and sliding. And I think it has something to do with me being about 30 pounds heavy. <laughs> it might. <laughs> so anyway, but what we, neither of us knew is this tree was rotten, even though it was pretty big. And so all of a sudden, I hear this crashing noise, and I turn around, and here he is laying under this log. And there again, never did I hear this. Well, if you wouldn't have taken me this way, we wouldn't be here. And that was a real encouragement to me. All the way home, he was positive. And he's still having some problems with his knee over that. But we had a wonderful time together. And that's the essence of Sabbath. Spending time maybe one-on-one, me with my mother, or my, one of my sisters with my father. And really letting God do the hard work that he feels needs to be done in each one of us. You know, I really wanted a helicopter to pick me up. <laughs> I really did. I mean, I, I asked Josiah how many times he thought I fell down or fell through trees, when he said there were hundreds of trees. You know, sometimes no we can say those things. There were hundreds of trees, like matchsticks. And he said, you probably fell down 20 or 25 times, Father. And I didn't just dislocate my knee one time. I dislocated my knee several times coming down that. And I wanted a helicopter to pick me up. <laughs> but the Lord was calling to my heart to persevere. I want my son to learn how to persevere. And I don't want him just to learn how to persevere in hard work. He's learned that. He's one of the hardest working young men I've ever seen in my life. I want him to learn how to persevere in the Lord. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. God can take us through this situation. And so it was a powerful day together. A simple example. But if we're willing to experience the essence of the Sabbath, we can be having Sabbaths that will bind our hearts first in the home. You see, outreach, I know many, many people, in fact, I grew up in a time when outreach was the thing, and not to say that it's not the thing now, but there was a big gap between personal Christianity and outreach, and the gap was the family. People weren't reaching out to their families. Fathers weren't reaching out to their sons. Parents weren't reaching out to each other. There was a gap as I grew up, and I still see the gap. There's a gap between this idea of truth and reaching out to give the truth to others. Do we need to give the truth to others? Absolutely. But the only truth that's going to make a difference in others' lives is the truth that's making a difference in our own homes. And if it can make a difference there, it can make a difference anywhere. And I just want to share on that from a young person's perspective. Um, seeing in my own parents the power of the gospel working through them has been probably the greatest, more than anything I've ever read or any of the truth that I've heard spoken as the truth lived out in their lives. And as a young person, I would encourage each one of you parents, if you would really want your children to gain that experience with Christ, the greatest way you can, can do that is by living it in your own life. And once they see it working there, I can say from my own experience, it's a huge encouragement. So does that mean I don't make any mistakes? No, it just means that when you do, you get back up and keep going. <laughs> don't you see the importance of heart work? I want to talk also about heart evaluation. Similar thing, similar idea, it's the same in-reach concept, but it's a little bit different. Because it's not just working with the problems that we recognize. It's looking for the problems. Asking God to show us where we need to grow. Where our weaknesses are. Heart evaluation is not always a comfortable thing to do. Is it? But let me ask you this question that puts it in a different perspective. Would you rather face it now? Or do you want to wait till judgment day? Now. Now. Let me tell you, no matter how difficult it is now, I would much rather face it here and have the opportunity to allow God to change the things in our hearts that need to be changed than to wait until it's too late. Because it's not going to be any easier to face then, and it will be too late. There will be no more chance. So spending part of our Sabbath dealing with heart evaluation has been a big blessing to our family. And I just want to share with you one really special Sabbath we had very recently we decided we needed more family time 
been traveling a lot, and we love being able to share with others what God has put in our hearts, but we need to still sometimes go back to the mountain and let him continue to work in our own hearts. And so we just decided we wanted to take the weekend off and go to Glacier Park and spend some time in heart evaluation. And I didn't really know what the plan was for the whole weekend, um, but my father, I don't know, how soon did you plan that? Or was it just Sabbath morning that you decided to, what we were going to study? Oh, on the judgment? Oh, that was right on the spot. Okay. <laughs> no wonder I didn't know about it before. <laughs> well, we were just all sitting there together, and he had his, um, the great controversy in his hand, and he said that he wanted to reach us facing life's record, the chapter on facing life's record. Can I interject something? Go ahead. Not to give the impression, you know, many times we talk, you've heard in other family Sabbath schools, we talk about the need for preparation. We need preparation. We need planning. But there are times that God knows exactly what we need and the time we need it. And so that Sabbath morning, I was praying for God to show me, what do we need? And that thought came to my mind, facing life's record. And I want to tell you, just to be very, very honest with you, that's not what I had in mind for what we needed. When I saw that, when, not some audible voice that speaks to me, it's that still, small voice speaking to the heart. When I thought of that, I immediately thought of what's in that chapter. How many people here know what's in the chapter of Great Controversy, Facing Life's Record? Okay? A few of you here. It's talking about the close of probation and the judgment that's going on right now in the heavenly sanctuary. And it talks about first the judgment of the dead. And then it says that the lives of the living are brought into judgment. And that process is going on right now. And I cringed a little bit internally when the Lord prompted me that this is what our family needed. But it is what our family needed. You know, certain Sabbaths just really stick out in your mind. Especially if planning goes into it and you make them special Sabbaths. And that, this Sabbath that we're speaking of will be one of those that will always stick out in the forefront of my mind. Because as he sat there with his book and he read to us, it was incredible all the things that the Lord brings before you. And the call to go deeper and to come higher and to really realize the times that we're living in. We can't just keep going on from week after week after week just thinking that we're going to go on forever and ever here as we are. You know, the Sabbath, many people view the Sabbath as a day of rest, and it is a day of rest from the cares of this world and from all kinds of things. But the Sabbath shouldn't just be a rest. It should be a time to refocus, to refocus our minds and our families on what our goals are. And if we're losing sight of heaven because we're too caught up in this world, then just to rest week after week of the cares of this world is not enough. We need to be refocusing our minds and saying, we have something that we're moving forward toward, and we need to pull together. And so reading that chapter was just, it just had a very powerful influence in our family, and I know I will always remember that to be a very special Sabbath day. Well, I know for myself that that Sabbath is certainly a very good memory, and um, a very recent memory it sticks out in our minds. But as Emily was saying, I just want to encourage you to, like we were reading in that chapter and about facing life's record, and God uses some, sometimes insignificant and sometimes significant things. Just a chapter and what a difference it can make in, in how, well, in your eternity. Amen. Because spending that time in that chapter helped all of us to come to a deeper understanding of what true repentance was all about. And I want to share with, that, share with you about that a little bit later on. <clears throat> you go ahead and do it now. Okay. May as well do it now. Um, well, I'm in no way perfect, and I'm sure you've come to that conclusion by this point. And the Friday before we studied this uh, Facing Life's Record chapter, um, something came up, and I had an attitude. And it carried on for longer than it needed to. It shouldn't have started in the first place. And so anyway, that night before I went to bed, <clears throat> which is usually my habit, I mean, before you go to bed at night, you know, ask forgiveness for things. Well, it was kind of general. I just said, sorry, you know, for my attitude. And that next day, we're reading Facing Life's Record. And I was really convicted on what true repentance is. It's I not know. just, you know, some of us, unfortunately, 
think, well, I'll do that, and then when I'm done, I'll just say sorry. Isn't that terrible? I mean, I've thought of that before. You know, if I have a word I want to say, and say it, oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. You know, I was just being funny. That is not true repentance. And so anyway, we're reading through this chapter, and it's talking in there about true repentance and whether, you know, your sins that you commit, do they really have a pardon written by them? Or is it something that we just say? Because that repentance that we're feeling for our sins cannot just be something we speak. It has to be something from the heart. Amen. And so I felt the call right then and there that I needed to have more true repentance to my family for the attitude that I'd had. That is what the essence of Sabbath is. Amen. Not just the intellectual gaining more understanding of the truth, but gaining an understanding that works in the heart so that we can come forth with it. Amen. Well, I just wanted to say something about how that chapter affected me as well. It, it's written so well, and in some ways, you know, it's very cutting to the heart, but it gives you so much hope, too. And I found that when I walked away from that Sabbath, even to this point, I'm still thinking about what is really going on right now, the reality of what's real in life, is that this is going on right now. Yeah. And how, how much better to be informed about it than trying to say, well, let's not read about that because I want to kind of feel comfortable the way I am. Yeah, I'm getting ready for Jesus to come, and by the time he comes, you know, I hope to be ready. We can't just hope and desire and want. We need to strive. And by reading something like that, it gives you the reality of what life is all about. And I need to work with the Lord to get ready. This is a very serious time. What if he comes to my record tomorrow? Am I ready? Am I living my life as though this is my last day? By reading that chapter, it refocused my vision for, what is for the weeks to come. I think so often we get caught up in our life to the point that our vision is more and more narrowed to our temporal life. All the while, heaven is getting closer and closer. Jesus wants to wake us up. He wants a people ready to meet us. The last thing he wants is for us to be lost. He's pleading with us, but sometimes we're stopping our ears by our temporal busyness. We need to let those things go and let him penetrate our heart so that we can be effective in his hands, not only for the cleaning and the cleansing of our own heart, but for him to take possession of us, to save as many as possible before those doors are forever closed. Heaven is very near, even at the doors. And I want all of us to be ready to go as one big family. Through those gates of gold, heaven is cheap enough. It's interesting that uh, before we had that study that day, earlier in the week, the Lord took me to Psalm chapter 14 and and chapter 15. 14, you may remember these words. It starts out, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And that's not talking about the fools of the world. Maybe it's talking about us and how we respond to the day-to-day situations we're in that we want to manage without Christ. So that spoke to my heart. And then as I read into chapter 15, and I don't have the time to read it today, but I hope you will take the time and contemplate the words in that one chapter. It says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? And who shall dwell in thy holy hill? I want to be there, don't you? And it describes the people who will be there. And I found it very challenging and very motivating because I love the Lord and I want to be with him forever. I want to be in his tabernacle with him and I want to abide with him in his, in his uh, holy hill in heaven. And as I read through that, the Lord was preparing my heart for that chapter, that Sabbath from the great controversy, and I read through that, and this has continued to come back to me very often through the week since, these words here, and it's, it's just a kind of a quick checklist from the choices that we make, are those choices that we're making, do they concur and agree with what David is writing here, or do we find ourselves more in chapter 14, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So I found it very encouraging to me to be able to share that with my family, what the Lord was already doing in my heart in preparation for the Sabbath and to gain that essence of the Sabbath. Well, for me as a mother, one of the greatest joys I've 
found and burdens that I've had is to make Sabbath especially interesting for the children. Amen. So to me, the essence of the Sabbath never excludes anyone of any age. And we have always looked for ways, since we've come to recognize the importance of the Sabbath, and as we've grown in this experience, we've always looked for ways to bring practical illustrations in a fun and enjoyable way, not entertainment, but heart work way, to the understanding of our children. And even at their ages now, and even when we have some of the older people from our church come over, we still do these things because we find they bring us such joy and delight. So we, this part is especially for the younger children. We have brought something with us. It's in this sack here, and I'm going to ask you questions. It's kind of off like we shared several years ago, what's in the box? There's a nature item that we brought here that has a very special significance to all of us here. And I'm going to give you clues, children, and you're going to guess what it is. You have to raise your hand, though. So I've got a nature item in this sack, and the first clue is that this nature item is hard. If you think you know what it is, raise your hand. This nature, yes, all the way back in the yellow. It's not an antler. You are a good listener with an incredible memory, but it's not an antler. I knew better. A rock. It's not a rock. Anybody else? One more? Yes. Not a pine cone. This object is found in many places in the world where it's warm. So you don't find them in Montana. Not a sand dollar. Yes. Not a coconut. Very good. Not a seashell. Okay, I better go on the clues because we are getting limited on time. Yes, right here. No, a turtle shell. Do you, uh, do you see what your young people are doing? They're putting together the clues. Everything they've said is hard and is found in a warm place in the world. Very good. The next clue, sometimes it comes in the color of blue or purplish color, pink or white. Yes, right here in the blue shirt. Coral. coral. Good guess, but it's not coral. Getting close. <laughs> yes, right here. Yes, right there. It's not a flower. That's another good guess. This item is very small. Yes. It's not a snail. Not an abalone shell. Not a starfish. A pearl. Isn't that something? Now, how many of you adults knew a long time ago it was a pearl? I was quite impressed. Immediately they went to the ocean. Did you notice that? Abalone, snails, starfish, (laughs) coral. Anyway, this is an interesting nature object that the Bible talks about. It's a pearl. You remember the story that Jesus told about the kingdom of heaven? It's found in Matthew chapter 13. We don't have time to read it, but I want you to go home and read it. Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man. And what's he going to do? He's going to go out, and what's he going to look for? What's he going to look for? Goodly pearls. See this little pearl here? How many can see that little pearl? Does it look like a pearl? It's a counterfeit. That's a counterfeit. It's the first one we found. Just cost me a few cents. It's valueless. This merchant man was looking for a goodly pearls, plural. And when he found the one pearl of great price, what did he do? Sold everything he had, didn't he? And then what did he do? He bought the pearl. The one pearl. Remember, he's going out looking for goodly pearls but he found the one pearl of great price it was far above all the others it stood out in its luster its color its size its shape its perfection who does that pearl represent children who does that pearl represent jesus how do you know that's jesus 
Because the Bible tells us. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 21. And the 12 gates, we're talking about the holy city, aren't we? The 12 gates of heaven were 12 what? Pearls. They were 12 pearls. And each gate was one pearl. Now, can you imagine? We've been in Germany. We see these big, huge gates that go into the city. They're massive. They're made of wood that is over years rotting. The heavenly gates are one solid pearl, huge inside, in size. And those gates represent Christ. How do we know the pearl is represented by Christ? How do we know that Christ is represented by those pearly gates? Because Jesus says to us in John 14, 16, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to Father but by me. If we want to be with the Father in heaven, we must come through Jesus Christ to his kingdom. There's only one way. It is a real pearl. This is a real pearl. It's not of great price, but it's certainly more expensive than this one. But it's very small. It's very imperfect in its shape. The coloring isn't the best. But the lesson is for us that if we long for heaven and we want to be there with Christ, there's only one way, and that is through Jesus. That means we must give him our hearts here and let him have all of us so that we sell everything. We sell our attitudes. Do you know Jesus will take our bad attitudes from us? We sell him or give him our selfishness. He gives us the ability to share and to be happy. We sell our disobedience, and he gives us the desire to obey. There's only one way, and that's through Christ. I just thought of one more thing as she was saying that, how he, he went out looking for the pearls, and then when he found it, he went back and sold everything that he had. I was realizing what a, what a marvelous lesson because he could have sold everything he had first in hopes of finding the pearl and taking all of his money with him to go buy it. But he recognized the importance of going first and finding the pearl, and that caused him to sell everything that he had in order to purchase it. If we put our focus on trying to rid ourselves of everything that separates us from Christ and trying to become perfect, and we're not focusing on finding Christ, then we're not going to find it along the way. We may have the reforms, but we will miss the essence of what we're talking about. We need to go looking first for Christ to become that real pearl for us, and it will cause us to sell everything that we have, and it will cause us to give up every part of ourself. Amen. You want to have the essence of the Sabbath? The joy of salvation? You want that? Is it worth whatever it costs to have it? The devil will tell us that it costs too much. The signs of the billboards of the devil are full of lies. But I tell you, brothers and sisters, the essence of Christ is the essence of the Sabbath. And when he is working in us, the lies of the devil begin to lose their power over our lives to deceive us. In closing, we'd like to sing a song that many of you know. And if you know it, sing along with us. Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable and shalt honor him. Not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself. In the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of 
spoken it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Isaiah 58, 13, 14. Shall we kneel together as we close? Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for pervading this place with the essence of your presence. Through the Holy Spirit, we thank you for the drawing power of your Spirit working in our hearts. Father, I know that you love us with an everlasting love, and you tenderly draw us. I pray that we will be willing, not resisting, but let you draw us safe into your arms. That we will trust you enough to give you all. That we might trade all of self for all of Christ. That he may work in us the essence of the love of heaven the essence of the Sabbath, and that we might understand in our own homes how to live in that essence and serve you with our whole hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.